This this is the Impressions Exchange Podcast. Impressions Exchange Podcast. Where all topics impacting the graphic imaging and printing industry are addressed via in-depth news coverage, analysis, and timely interviews. Hi, everyone. I'm Ashley Roberts, the host of the Impressions Exchange podcast series. I'm very excited to bring you this episode because we will focus on the upcoming Wide Format Summit. In the first part of the episode, I will be joined by the publisher of Wide Format Impressions, Steve Duchilli, as well as Denise Gustafson, who is the editor-in-chief of Wide Format Impressions. Later in the episode, senior editor Dan Marks will be joined by Marco Bohr, VP of IT Strategies, and Tim Green, Research Director with IDC's Hard Copy Solutions Group to talk about the wide format segment. So let's get to it. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. And Denise, welcome back. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Ashley. Of course, of course. So I wanted to bring you both on because you are both intimately involved at the Wide Format Summit which is taking place July 25th to the 27th in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. So Steve, this is the second live wide format summit. So can you tell us a little bit about the event and how it came to be? Sure, yes, as you mentioned last uh, July in Austin, we launched the very first wide format summit. And uh, it was the first time that a hosted attendee event in, had been held in the history of wide format printing. Now, NAPCO has quite a lot of experience in producing these hosted events in other segments of print, in commercial printing and in packaging going back 10 years, but it had not been done in wide format printing before. And really, our summits are, are totally unlike other type of event experiences that printers are accustomed to. It's not a trade show. It's not a traditional conference but it's uh, very much an educational and networking experience that's, that's really unlike anything else that's available in the printing industry. Our agenda combines in-depth education featuring many of the thought leaders in wide format printing in educational sessions that we program, as well as interactive case studies featuring successful implementations of new technologies, business plans and, and initiatives to break into new segments of print, other success stories from the field that highlight how print service providers are succeeding with wide format printing. And then finally, in-depth meetings, one-to-one -one discussions taking place between the print executives who attend and the leading technology providers and thought leaders. And these are in-depth 20-minute discussions that are very difficult to have in the context of, say, a trade show where there are so many other distractions and other things that are happening. But these are in-depth, deep dive conversations where attendees get to explore what the different solution providers have that might be of interest to them, and also to explain their unique circumstances and needs in a way that really can't be done in, in other types of engagement environments. So it's a, it's a busy two and a half days, but it's a, it's a truly unique experience for, for our attendees. And a lot of people often ask me, well, what does hosted mean? Hosted means that uh, for qualified attendees, printers who are invited to attend after going through our qualification process, all expenses are paid. Everything from your airfare to your accommodations at the PGA National Resort this year, 
to airport transfers, meals, entertainment. It's an all-inclusive experience for those who attend. Right. That, that, I mean, that sounds fantastic. I mean, the, the case studies, the networking alone sounds just incredibly invaluable. Um, and I know there's there's some educational sessions there. So, uh, Denise, can you kind of talk us through some of the, the other things that, that attendees can expect from this year's event? Sure. I mean, Steve touched on a lot of it, but I can, I'll touch on a couple of of some of the ed educational stuff, which I think is going to be really, really um, insightful and important to the attendees. Now, I mean, we all know there's been things that have been going on for the last two years. We've dealt with the pandemic, uh, we've dealt with supply chain issues, um, problems getting substrates, even problems getting some equipment in some cases. And some of our sessions are gonna touch directly on how all of these crises or how all of these challenges have impacted the market and really what print providers can expect moving forward. So, I mean, that's going to be our kickoff keynote uh, for the first day of the event. So, you know, that's really going to get us going. And then uh, we have different panels throughout the sessions, uh, throughout the days, the two and a half days. Um, another session that I think is going to be really interesting is, you know, if you could go back, knowing what you know now, if you could go back to, you know, March of 2020, how would you do things differently? You know, that's a really tough question yeah. for a lot of people to answer mm -hmm. because things have changed so much. So we're actually going to get a panel of folks together to talk about how things have changed. What are the different KPIs that printers need to, um, you know, talk about, to look at, um, and how companies have really changed in order for them to grow as they're moving forward. That sounds fascinating. I am very much so looking forward to, uh, to the coverage and, and hearing about, you know, this, that session specifically, and also all, everything else that's going on during the event. So um, it sounds really exciting. Um, and so Steve and Denise, I'd like to ask you both this question. What are you most excited for? Steve, do you want to do you want to start? Well, sure. Um, I think that the what I'm most excited about is the opportunity to gather the community again and all representatives from the community. And it, it really is, to Denise's point earlier, a very interesting time in this segment of print because we have these massive growth opportunities that are in front of us as the vertical segments of wide format reemerge and everything is changing and presenting new opportunities. But at the same time, as Denise said, we have significant challenges in supply lines, in managing our workforce, uh, in dealing with the convergence of all the other segments that are coming into wide format because it's such a versatile technology. So that's a long answer to your question, but uh, what I'm looking forward to is the chance to, to discuss all of these issues with all the stakeholders in the community again. Great, great. That's wonderful. Thanks. Um, and Denise, what are you most excited for? I mean, I'm going to echo some of what Steve said, you know, being able to get together face to face to talk about the issues that everyone is facing is really valuable. And, you know, I only highlighted two of the sessions that we're going to be talking about, but I mean, we're going to be talking about, you know, HR issues. We're going to be talking about economic issues, about new markets, you know, moving into textiles, automation, you know, all of these things that we really need to start addressing. Um, also, we're going to look at who's buying wide format. You know, what are the print buyers doing? So I think it's it's really the the breadth of the 
the topics that we're going to be talking about. I mean, and that's not even talking about what we're going to be bringing up in all of the boardrooms and all the case studies. So it really is, you know, kind of like a meeting of the minds that we really haven't had a chance to have. And it's really, it's going to be so, so valuable to everybody. So I think that's kind of what I'm excited about is getting everybody together to really, you know, to pick everybody's brain and really see what's going on um, and what's happening and how we can all benefit and prosper as we're moving through the end of this year into next year. Yeah. And I mean, from what you've both described, I mean, this event just sounds like it's going to be like none other and just incredibly informative, educational. The networking sounds like it's, you know, second to none. So I'm very excited to see what comes of it. And I'm sure you are as well. And I'm sure attendees will come away feeling just um, invigorated and feeling like it's been such a valuable event. So thank you both so much for joining me on today's episode. I really appreciate it. And it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us again, Ashley. Of course, of course. And stay tuned. You don't want to miss Dan's discussion with Marco and Tim coming up next. Dan, take it away. Thanks, Ashley. The wide format segment is not new, and it's no longer the non-saturated easy money segment it was a decade or more back. That said, the diversity of technologies and inks for wide format inkjet, coupled with the many materials that can be used, has resulted in a large playing field. Today, to help us understand where the wide format segment is and where it's going, we have Marco Bohr, Vice President of IT Strategies, and Tim Green, Research Director with IDC's Hard Copy Solutions Group. Both are featured presenters at this year's Wide Format Summit. Welcome. Hey, Dan. Hey, Marco, uh, let's start with you. I know you've been uh, following developments in digital printing, including wide format, for quite some time. Um, how would you describe the maturity of the wide format segment and in what ways has its development surprised you? So it's actually the segment that launched our business back in 1992. Uh, and so we've been tracking it for a long time. I would say that, you know, first of all, this segment is relatively mature in the sense that when it started back in the day, people said, oh, it's never going to replace screen or, or for that matter, offset. It's too slow or the quality wasn't good enough and fast forward you know both of these issues have been addressed but even today our feeling is is that inkjet is a parallel market to screen and offset uh, because of the differences in productivity and cost so people are willing to pay for the convenience and flexibility that digital printing provides in wide format mm -hmm. but yet they still have these super long run lengths oh by the way those run lengths of course are dramatically coming down during the supply chain instabilities because people can't really project what they're going to have and when they're going to have it. So their orders are getting smaller. And that's actually, in, in a, a very interesting way, causing a resurgence in growth in wide format that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, Tim, in terms of technology, where have you seen the most development in recent years? And how has it served to expand the possibilities of wide format to, uh, or grow the space it holds? Uh, yeah, great question. So um, th there's been, of course, you know, every area continues to kind of uh, evolve some, you know, more slowly or more quickly than others. Uh, if I had to identify one, I'd say the area of print heads for sure has been uh, really exciting. I think uh, the, um, you know, the people who make industrial print heads are making, them, you know, with more nozzles, they will fire faster, they're wider, all of that has uh, uh the you know more reliably and all that so it, all of that has 
you know, the compounding effect of like, okay, it, not only is it faster with higher quality and wider, it enables much greater levels of speed and it enables really whole new uh, uh, areas. I think we're going to get into some of those, but uh, I would say the area of print heads has been, you know, in terms of like stacking them up, I would say the, the that's been the area we've seen the most development. It's pretty exciting. Okay. And uh, I know for a long time, there was this promise that that the cost of print heads was coming down and there would be this this point where we'd have this explosion of uh, arrays of print heads. Are we there yet? Are the prices down or are they still up, but people are still going there? Well, of course, like everything, there's a range, right? You can have, uh, um, you know, more or less disposable print heads. And then there's those that cost uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. And, but I, I think what, what I would argue is that the utility of all of those is getting much, much better, right? So you're getting more nozzles, you're getting wider, more reliability, better performance at a lower, at a lower price. Now, I don't really think there's any, uh, from a manufacturer standpoint, any, reason to really want to drive the cost of print heads down mm -hmm. meaning you know other than the opportunity to put more and more heads in per, into a machine but even then like then the integration the cost of integrating those more and more heads would just probably have uh make the 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 change in print head price not that uh important right so uh, i don't i think you know there the even with Print heads that only cost, you know, less than a thousand dollars, you get a much, much better performance. I'm thinking of like heads like the Epson head, for example. It's not mm -hmm. that expensive, but right. you know, you're getting more nozzles and, and better performance even from those. Okay. Marco, any comment on that? Yeah, I'd like to build on what Tim said. I would actually say so the print heads are, are are the sort of base, right? But the real evolution, I think, has come from the ink to the ink chemistry, right? Because as we go forward. We've had so much development in the chemistry. And the reason that's important is because that really becomes the, the parameter that allows you to print on a much broader range of substrates, mm -hmm. which is absolutely key today because you never know what you can get, right? Because of the supply chain instabilities. Yeah. And these inks are, are you know, inherently drying faster, which is raising the performance dramatically. So if the average throughput you know, back in the day was maybe you know thirty square square feet an hour at, at high quality mode. Today, that equivalently priced product is probably going to be three hundred to even you know a thousand square feet an hour. So uh, the performance is not just in the heads; it's also a lot in the income stream. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Um, obviously, you know some of those developments have led to um, uh, movement into new areas. I know. There's a growing presence of wide format inkjet within some manufacturing segments. Uh, one example would be uh, printed fabrics for interior design or for clothing applications. Those come to mind. Um, what other spaces are you seeing uh, wide format inkjet gaining ground and why is that? Is it just the right time or did something become possible or feasible? Marco? So a couple of things. First of all, you know, as you mentioned uh, in your opening remarks, um, the price competition has become a lot more severe. And so to differentiate, one really good way of doing that is to go up the value chain and get into things like fabrication. So during COVID, when there wasn't a lot of signage being ordered, right, because no stores were open, all of a sudden people who were still in the signage printing business said, well, you know what, I'll, I'll make a wrap to go around a hand sanitizer stand, or I'll make a, uh, you know, window decor that's going to spiff up an office space for a fraction of the cost of having to blow out a wall or do something different. 
And, and so what we're really finding is, is that because it's so hard to find installers, many of the print shop owners themselves went out and actually got proficient at moving up that value chain and they're able to charge for it. So, so it's complementary. Uh, now in terms of new applications relating to substrates, yes, of course, fabrics has been a huge breakthrough uh, and that will continue to evolve as time goes on. I, I think that the bigger issue for me is not so much the substrates or the applications, it's really the ability to personalize things. And so that's where a lot of the growth is. I mean, you know, to me, you know, because, okay, I'm a, a, a simple husband, right? But my wife's expenditures on custom wallpaper. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? Really? But that's what, you know, is driving a lot of that demand. It's yeah. stuff that nobody else will have. Right. And, and um, going back, uh, the term personalization, um, you know, obviously for direct mail, everybody gets it. It says, Dan, you've won a million dollars, right? Um, but for the wide format segment, how do we define personalization right now? And is that growing? Oh, excellent question. So first of all, maybe I should have said versioning rather than Version. personalization, okay. right? Yep. So, so, you know, the, the wallpaper with the monkeys that, you know, my wife so loves, you know, it's not many people are going to order that, but there's enough of us, right, to, to do a certain very short run length. So, so that's one issue. But there is issues like uh, relating to personalization. So, you know, if you look at cars like Jeeps, right, they all have these personalized stickers now on them. Mm -hmm. And so it's a niche. It's a small market. Sure. But it is being enabled. You can personalize almost anything now, right? And so that, that's the consumers are getting more active, I guess. Uh, it's not just businesses anymore. I, I see Marco's right. I mean, the other part of that is, like, you, you know, you just mentioned versioning, right? That's a that's always, that's been a big thing in POP for a long time, right? Where, you know, in uh, in uh, right now, hockey season, right? They're up here, you may have, uh, you know, the, the local beer store may have uh, Boston Bruins, whereas, you know, uh, in New York City, you may have New York Rangers uh, highlighted among like the, the the beer promotions in store signage and things like that. So the versioning certainly has been a, has been a key driver for digital wide format in, in POP for quite a while. Yeah. And then Tim, uh, just to follow up that whole idea of uh, the movement of wide format into manufacturing, whether for textiles, what other areas are you seeing it as having promise to grow? Yeah. So the, another one I think is, is pretty interesting, Dan is um, uh, building products, right? Like, we have we've recently uh, been been thinking a lot more about that because some certain of these industries and and I think building products is one of them. Uh, we we look at other things, some other things too, like uh, footwear and fashion. They have an ex in some cases extremely inefficient supply chain, right? Mm. Think about it that all of the product literally has to be made and produced and, and delivered to the store, and then people go up and pick from it, right? Right. Yeah. And and I think in the 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 in the world in the future, we're going to see a lot more people just try to employ the Amazon model where they don't make anything until the thing is already bought and paid for. Right. Sure. Right. It's turned that model on its head. And so, you know, it's the same thing that's already happened in the, in the, in the book industry largely. Right. So if you think about it like that, and, and I, you know, again, I know uh, uh, EFI is really into this, they're that, that whole idea of, you know, customized, whether it's tiles or, uh, or wood products and things that they could make and print uh, as, you know, once they're purchased, as opposed to let's just create a whole giant warehouse full of these things and hope people like what we design and buy. Okay. Um, 
Moving over to Marco, um, I know you follow numerous trends uh, in the industry, including what's going on with industry consolidation. Um, what are you seeing there? And what do you think is the primary motiva motivation today for owners to sell? And then to, to stack on top of that, who's buying these days and, and why are they buying? Talk about Pandora's box, right? So yeah. ha half of success in life is really determined by just showing up or, and having the right time. And so if you're a print shop owner today, now might be the right time to sell for a number of reasons. First of all, um, the world of cash is much larger today than it was before COVID. So there's about 30% more cash in people's savings accounts now than there was before COVID. That cash is looking to find a home, right? And much of that is finding a home in private equity. So private equity is coming in and they're saying, boy, you know, we've already conquered real estate. We've conquered all these other markets. Look at the print market. What a gold mine, because it is incredible in terms of cash flow, right? If you don't pay your bill, you don't get the next run of, of signs or whatever. So, so it's very good in cash flow. And number two, it is very inefficient. And it's inefficient because for the last two, three decades, we've been competing upon service, right? Quick response time, personal connections, et cetera. And so private equity is coming in and they're saying, you know what, we're going to buy what they call a platform company. So that's a company between 10 to $15 million. Okay. And then we're going to add eight other little guys underneath that. Mm -hmm. And then immediately we're getting rid of eight accounting departments, eight HR department, eight you know, procurement departments, you name it. And we're going to scale it up. And so now we have a more volume. So we have a bit more leverage uh, on purchasing power mm -hmm. or, or raw materials. But more importantly, we can now also start to automate. Now, automation is key, right? Because the biggest problem, aside from not being able to get substrates today, is finding labor. And yeah. if you've got cash, you can invest in automation. And that is in a way that we, frankly, got badly wrong. We had expected that the wide format graphics market would take a long time to come back uh, mm -hmm. to 2019 levels, particularly at the higher volume segments where you're doing signage for sports stadiums and concerts and stuff, because we're yeah. not really going back there, right? But what we got wrong is that these private equity guys are saying, we don't care if it's not coming back yet. We need to automate now and we're going to make that investment. And so that's what's driven a lot of that growth. Anyway, this, the short story, of course, to your question is, so why is now an interesting time to potentially sell? Well, we're running out of, of interesting wide format shops to buy from a private equity perspective. Mm, okay. So if you've got a viable business, you know you don't have to have a perfect business, but it's gotta have some unique hooks and angles and, and, and a good solid customer base. I don't care if you have old equipment because guess what? I'm probably gonna get rid of that anyway. What I right. really want is your book of business and I want your skill, right? And, and those connections that you have. So um, the valuations are, are probably higher now mm -hmm. on all of these businesses than we've seen in a long time. Okay. Um, Follow-up question on that. And then Tim, I'd love your, your opinion on this as well. But in terms of that, that drive to add automation, is the goal of automation to uh, reduce labor or is it to maximize, um, <clears throat> let's say, throughput or productivity, or is it both? So, so the answer to this, it's probably both, right? But the, the stronger part of that is to reduce labor because that is an issue that is not going to go away. You've probably heard me talk about the demographic issue, right? The baby, yeah. uh, you know, lack of babies, basically. We're not making enough of them and haven't for the last two decades. Those first babies born in 2008 
right? There's going to be 15% fewer workers coming into the workforce. So um, we need to automate. That That's really the key. You and me okay. are doing our part, Marco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear your, your comments on that, Jim. Yeah, so I, I was, you know, I basically echo what Marco just said about that. I mean, we see there's a, you know, private equity is taking a role. That's having a huge role in consolidation. I, uh, I mean, they say that you guys know that we think a lot about like 80, 90% of these wide format shops tend to be small shops, either, you know, between one and 10 employees. Right. And it's, it's an old trope, I guess that people say like, Oh, a business can survive a second generation, but seldom a third. Right. And if it's a family business, you might have a hard time getting people, even within your own family to really want to run something in the, printing business, which people maybe believe is, is kind of old technology and not super exciting. Yeah. To that, I would say there's there's things in, in wide format that are exciting, right? So you could say like, hey, why not, you know, help us set up a better e-commerce site or help us get, you know, introduce some automation and robotics or something that is technologically kind of exciting. And you should probably mm-hmm. be thinking about that. Um, but you I mean, the big picture uh, in terms of like when and why that, you know, there's, there's ways you could certainly build some more continuity and excite your own, you know, family and employees about being involved in the business. Yeah. But uh, unquestionably, you know, Marco is definitely right. There's a lot of cash out there. And so people are, are looking to either take advantage of that or, or maximize that or, you know, or buy cheap now because people are saying, trying to get out uh, from under, from under a business that maybe doesn't seem super, super exciting from a growth perspective. Okay, let's continue with excitement a little bit, Tim. Um, I know uh, in your time you spent with uh, studying the wide format segment, you know, what would you say is one of the most profound technological developments that's been along that path um, has brought the most excitement, the most opportunity to the segment? Well, we touched on it earlier. I mean, you know, I was going to say, oh, it's something I really believe there's a lot to do with the uh, the uh, combination of printheads and inks, right? That has really been what has enabled, you know, things to go from, you know, wide format kind of started out as CAD printers, right? And then you you run a lot more water-based ink through them and you're, you're doing graphics and then you know, introduce more industrial heads and then you're doing solvents, which enable billboard printing. And then you can do, uh, you know, uh, other kinds of inks and then you're printing on fabrics and all. So like, you know, you just think about the, that that's combination of ink and printed technology, which has really enabled all of this, right? Mm-hmm. And, and as, you know, Marco talked about it and I've already talked about some of the printed stuff, but every time you say like, oh, is there what, you know, what do we have to do to make it so we can print on, you know, this substrate, whether it's, you know, whether it's bricks or ceramic or, or plywood or, or wallpaper or, you know, super absorbent, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, fabrics, you know, there, there's just so much, there's so many ways for this to go, uh, that in, you know, even to the point of, you know, can, can, you, can we run functional fluids through these and actually print electronics? There's just so many ways for this thing to go that, you know, it's exciting and it's a historic sort of state exciting, right? And as a guy who, as guys who track this industry, you know, Marco probably, you know, we started out 20 something years ago and we were tracking things like the old Durst photo printers and stuff like that, right? And electrostatic printers from those old Xerox companies and company, you know, and now look at where it's gone and where it is. And it's really still, I think there's still uh, a lot of potential. Yeah, I I think for me personally, that. the introduction of UV curable ink uh, into the wide format segment was 
game changing. Uh, it opens so many doors of opportunity. Marco, how about you? So if I were to look out, right, the, the most impactful thing that I think we'll see going forward is not so much hardware innovation, but it's more software innovation. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, all of these hardware machines are, are very good. They're very reliable. They do exactly what you expect them to do. Uh, and so if you want to differentiate yourself, anybody can buy a, you know, certain brand wide format printer, but yeah. not everybody can deploy that the same exact way. And so the more you could figure out how to set up things like, as Tim mentioned, portals, web portals that allow your bigger customers, let's say Lowe's, to order their next round of POP signage, depending on the region they're in, and they have some leeway right, to personalize that based upon their geographic location without violating the corporate look and feel of things, mm-hmm. um, that becomes immensely powerful. So, and in fact, you know, it's what makes your customer base very sticky. The more you remove the pain of dealing with them, right? And, and it used to be, we used to love to hear from our sales rep, right? He'd take me out to lunch and we talk about new innovation. It was great. Yeah, right? yeah. We have no time. We're all overworked as a result of COVID. So if you want my business, just allow me to easily self-service myself. This is what I want. I want that kind of content and I want this kind of price. So tell me exactly what it's going to cost online. I don't want to have to negotiate with you, you know, right. and have lunch with you just to hear that you're only going to give me another 1% discount. No, just, you know, tell me what it is. So, so automation isn't just equipment automation. It's also the interaction of the customer and the print provider itself. Okay. Okay. So I know you both monitor multiple types of technologies as part of your work. Um, and as a sort of opportunity generator, for those uh, using wide format, would you say it, uh, wide format is more or less robust than the other technologies that you monitor as a as something to bring opportunity to businesses? Boy, you can answer this question a thousand different ways, right? So if I'm a general commercial printer, yeah, uh, I've always sort of looked at wide format graphics as not all that interesting because I can't scale it, right? But the reality is wide format is immensely profitable. Right. If you take a typical offset pace for a, a brochure, you get the equivalent of maybe three cents a sheet. You take that same equivalent sheet in wide format and you get about a dollar. Right. And so, frankly, all of a sudden, the commercial print industry has been looking at this for years. And now that their overall offset volumes have come down so much, wide formats become a lot more interesting. So that that's one piece. Right. So we've got a lot more competition coming in. Yeah. yeah. Well, what else can I do with wide format? Well, again, it depends on your definition. If you're talking UV flatbeds, the hot thing these days is getting into corrugated printing for end caps in stores and the likes and even subscription boxes. So so there's lots of different things you can do. Um, But I I would say that the bigger concern I have is, again, you want to make it easier for customers to do business with you to for you to get a bigger share of wallet if you will, right, by offering all of these services. And oh, by the way, if you don't have a certain kind of equipment, the easy answer is you wholesale that. So, you know, the big thing right now, this time of year in the U.S., it's lawn signs, right? Every sixth grader gets, I graduated from middle school or whatever, elementary school, right? And so um, not everybody has the equipment to do that, but all of them will take your order and they'll wholesale it to a guy who will provide it for a fraction of the cost that you could print it at. Mm -hmm. Everybody's happy. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, there's opportunity everywhere. You just got to know where to look. Okay, Tim, where's the opportunity in your opinion? 
So uh, there's, I think there's two things. If we just look at um, the, you know, uh, is it more robust than other things? Again, Marco just mentioned two things, right? One is the the uh, flexibility, right? Um, wide, most of wide format is uh, non-contact. So the ability to print onto any substrate or almost any substrate is fantastic. And so it gives you that opportunity to never have to say no, right? When someone says, can you get this? Or can you do this? Can you print this? The answer yeah. is most likely yes, right? Sure, if right. Especially if you're using certain technologies and certain equipment, the answer is almost always yes. And then the, the there's sort of, I think there's two dimensions to scalability, right? One is, can I print all this fast enough to satisfy my customer? And, you know, please, and, and, and can I keep doing that, right? So that's, that's you know, can I, I can just buy more printers and get more and add, capacity and become more scalable. That's one way to think about it. Another way to think about it is like what other kinds of services that are built on wide format can I add, right? So yeah, I do the printing, but can I can I charge for our creative services? Can those creative services be applied to companies' websites or logos and other, other kind of work? Uh, can I do the installations? into those installations, is that like an element of my service that we didn't do before that maybe now we have to, we, we, we hire people and we, we do that. Or maybe we don't, maybe we outsource it, right? But are those some things that's something I can do and something I can charge for? Is there other elements of like campaign management, whether it's, you know, measurement or fulfillment or things like that, that people, that you, you know, if you, you might think, oh, they're just a printer, but maybe they can have services like a digital marketing agency that are much more pay, maybe uh, uh, attractive and add a lot of margin to a uh, company's bottom line. So I think scalability works kind of in, t- in two ways. And then being flexible enough to say like an opportunistic enough to say, you know, is this something my customers are going to want in the future? Is this something I want to invest in? Is something I want to hire for? Th- those are, you know, the key questions customer, uh, uh, print shops have to ask themselves. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think the flexibility we've seen among some companies and I, I think the ability the willingness of companies who um, are able to redefine themselves and say, we were this, but we're something either incrementally or uh, profoundly different moving forward, instead of just circling the wagons, being stuck where they are is really beneficial. Um, Tim, I'm just gonna stick with you uh, for this one. Uh, For many years, the focus in wide format was on more and more speed um, and speed has surely arrived. Um, is there a maximum speed for the graphics segment? That's the first question. Then um, how does that change when you move into other markets? And this has already come up, but the idea of corrugated packaging, obviously the speed requirements there would be different or just as advantageous. Yeah, for sure. So, so the, um, the short answer is, what, you know, are, are we there yet? Or is it fast enough yet? The answer is no, right? And it's not because, oh, we can't, we can't produce as quickly as all our customers want. The idea of speed is that it gives you the opportunity to increase your service levels, right? So if customers say, you know, oh, I, can I have that, you know, it, the opportunity to cut lead times and say like, oh, my turnaround time is it can be a differentiator, right? Mm-hmm. So that I think that's one part of it. And then, you know, the, it doesn't matter what segment you're in. People are going to want to make, you know, uh, uh, changes at the last minute uh, that 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 speed enables you to be as flexible as possible and say like eh, that would ordinarily that would be a problem or you know uh, making last minute changes is is a is a challenge to a current workflow it's not it becomes less so if you can 
you know, press a button and start printing a uh, thousand, two thousand, five thousand square feet in an hour, it becomes less so, right? And it enables you to be, you know, a more flexible partner, kind of partner that's easier to do business with. And I think that's, you know, the desired state, right? Everybody wants to be that. It doesn't yeah. matter what whether it's wide format or corrugated, you want to be, you know, as easy to do business as, as you can. Marco, your, your thoughts on this? So, so speed, right? The faster you go, the lower your running cost is. So that's really what drives all of us, right? Because the lower the running cost, the more volume I can take on. But the one thing you have to remember is, is that, again, all of that comes at a cost, right? Particularly an upfront cost. So certainly, you know, we could build a machine that's 10 times faster than any machine on the market today. But the cost of acquiring that machine is going to be in the millions of dollars. And so there's very few potential sites that could absorb that kind of capacity. Right. So that's why in our market today, you, you frankly have seen a huge fragmentation of all the various technologies. If you go back and look at history of like these echo solvent printers yeah. 12 years ago, it was maybe four or five models available. Today, we track over 60 discrete models. And, and so there's a, a, a speed and a width and a number of colors for basically any customer out there. Right. Uh, and, right. and that is also in a way a sign of, of market maturity, right? We filled in every little pigeonhole to meet everybody's need. So at the end of the day, you know, yes, of course, everybody wants more speed, right? I want a faster car. But the reality is I also don't want to pay a lot more gas, right? So it's, yep. it's a balance. So yes, speed is important. But again, you have to weigh it against the investment cost and the ability to fill that machine. Yeah. And let's let's contrast this a little bit with um, with the corrugated. Obviously, uh, is, is speed a different calculation there because you're dealing um, with uh, a lot less diversity in substrates? and a, a greater need for throughput, or am I mistaken there? So I'm gonna be a little controversial here. Okay. All of the specs, right, that we're coming up with for these corrugated presses to say, you have to have X number of boards per hour, right? It's gotta be thousands of boards per hour. The reality is, is that the majority of the machines that are installed, and there's maybe about a hundred now of these single pass, super fast <laughs> machines, um, they're not running anywhere close to their maximum capacity utilization. And they're not running anywhere close to utilization because frankly, the converters haven't figured out how to sell the output on these machines, right? Because you're not selling it on the basis of low cost, you're selling it on the basis of convenience, versioning, et cetera. And that's a whole different sales approach. So here's the interesting part. So all of us, you know, are, are somewhat unhappy with the fact that we haven't gotten to the volumes that these machines are capable of getting to. But on the other hand, the value of that output is so high and the ability to charge commensurately for that is so good that even with a utilization of, of let's say five to 10% of what these presses are capable of, everybody's making their profit numbers. Tim? Uh, well, I mean, I think generally speaking, when people talk about, you know, whether you're converting uh, analog to digital, the goal, the objective or the goal is to, we have digital printing speed that is on par with existing or resident technology, right? So, you know, if you talk to somebody from like Procter & Gamble, they may say, we want to have no sacrifices. We don't want any sacrifice in terms of quality or cost 
or anything like that. We have a, they, they know more about packaging than almost anybody who's doing package printing. And they would say like, this is how we do it. This is what it costs. We know everything about, you know, changing elements and the psychology of these colors. We know everything way more about it than any printing company ever will. So now tell us about the advantage of using variable data or tell us about the advantage of versioning or whatever, but we know more about it than most about it than, than most of you do. Yeah. So now if you say, okay, well, you, you get, all, you get this value. Unfortunately, you have to, you know, you may have to build extra time in because this is a much slower process. Well, that's a sacrifice and they're not willing to make it. So the objective is speeds that are on par with resident technology. Okay. And, um, Let's continue kind of on the, the concept of, of opportunities that people are accessing and looking at the next few years. And Tim, we'll just stick with you. Um, what do you see as the growth market to watch for wide format and why do you uh, feel that way? And then conversely, what are the constraints on maybe the success of that market? Sure. So uh, we talked already about um, f- there's two that I think are, are pretty exciting, we, you know, from a growth curve perspective. Uh, one of them is um, still excited about fabric and fashion. I think there's a, you know, largely because right now it's a, it has been a, uh, you know, as I said, tremendously inefficient supply chain. And there's an opportunity that, and I believe that this is true, that, that we're seeing a really, some really exciting growth in that market based on some of the, I guess they're called tailwinds from the COVID crisis, right? Everyone stopped shopping at home. They're not going to the retail store, although I think uh, last year we saw retail store openings actually outmeasure, outnumbered retail store closings. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an exciting thing from the retail market, which is good news for wide format also. Yep. Nevertheless, I still think digitally printed fabric, whether it's for, uh, you know, the environmental graphics that Marco mentioned or for, for uh, short-term promotion or for just because they're, you know, they're uh, less costly and easier to ship around than say, you know, big rigid boards that are used often in trade shows. So I, I'm, I'm, we're excited about fashion and fabrics. And as I mentioned, I think we're just getting started on some of the other things like building products. So there, I think there's a lot of room in some exciting places to go. I don't know if it's going to be like, oh, you're, you're, you're every, let's say, your run-of-the-mill sign shop is going to be participating in those markets. But I do think from a, you know, if we look at it, step back from like from my desk, those markets have pretty exciting growth curves. Okay, and and just a, a quick follow up on that. Um, I know you know there's uh, news all over the place about paper shortages and shortages of pressure sensitive materials. Yeah. Is there a shortage in in the textile area? So that you're you're exactly right, Dan. That's really like the second part of the question was what's going to hold us back, right? And I was at an event last week and. And I heard the statistic, I'm not, again, I don't know if it's true, so, but I'm just going to repeat it anyway. They said 30% of the world's empty cargo containers are, are parked right now outside of Shanghai Harbor. This is as of in May of 2022, right? Mm-hmm. So th- there's, and you know, the, the Chinese uh, market is, uh, Chinese textile market is, is enormous. And that is a potentially, you know, this is a, a big uh, hurdle, let's call it. To, yeah. to a, a, the supply chain is something that, you know, without visibility into how that gets resolved in the near term, you have to say it's it's for sure it's a headwind. Uh, it's working against potential growth, and and we certainly see it as we collect all these numbers worldwide. We're like, okay, you know, people are telling us they want to buy, and there's there's a, a but you know, you talk to manufacturers, and unquestionably, there's product shortages. They're not getting the all the product that they could possibly sell, and that's a problem. Okay, Marco, growth markets constraints. Uh, so I'll build on Tim's comments a little bit. Um, 
he's absolutely right, right? The, the, the supply constraints are, are hugely problematic coming out of the Far East. However, it's opened up an opportunity for onshoring. And so we're seeing a, a fairly large demand for onshore printed things like fabrics, particularly for apparel, not in North America or in Western Europe, but in Latin America and Mexico, because there's still labor available. It's within 24 hours of trucking of most US markets. So there is significant growth and, and particularly in Europe, if you look at the higher value brands, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking not H&M, but they have a sub-brand called Arquette, uh, you know, premium clothing. That stuff is selling extremely well uh, because of revenge spending, right? We haven't been spending money. I'm going to go out. I'm going to spend it. And, and so, yes, you know, there's a lot of have nots in the world as a result of COVID, but there's also a significant amount of haves. And these are the companies or rather the consumers that are spending the money on high quality, digitally printed clothing. And oh, by the way, you know what they love about digital? The, the, they love that, first of all, you could get prints that you couldn't be, get before. So if you go to Palm Beach, for example, for the next charity event, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to look like your neighbor. So what happens is big brands like Lily Pulitzer actually have a, a database where you can put in what dress you bought. And it's only available for this month, right? Because next month there'll be another pattern. Yeah. And that way you're assured you're never going to look like the next person who's showing up at the same event. And all of these things are digitally printed on dye sublimation. Now, okay, it's a small part of what they do, yep. but it's hugely valuable. And, and that's the key. So instead of looking always at, at volume, 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 I would urge you to look at where's the value. So, okay. Wow. And uh, I, I, I love the, the angle on that. I, I also, I had never heard the term revenge spending before. Me neither. Uh, I love that one, Mark. Yeah, I'll have to go out and do some of that. <laughs> so just a quick question for you both uh, before we wrap it up. But uh, Tim, it, is now a good time for people to be in wide format? So I sure think it is. I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's because I uh, drink the Kool-Aid or whatever. But, I, you know, <laughs> I like this industry. Uh, you know, Dan, you guys have all been seeing so many of these shop operators. People in this market are so creative. They they you know, do stuff with the equipment that probably most of the equipment manufacturers never would have thought of, right? That happens all the time. And, and, and you know, as I said, it, you know, from a macro perspective, we see, you know, just anecdotally, like uh, Marco, Marco and I live about two or three towns away. The other day I was at that, there's a new market basket in Hanover, like a couple towns from me, away from me. This is on Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just a grocery store, but it was packed. And part of the people want a different kind of retail experience, market baskets are expanding in our, in our area. So anyway, uh, you know, I think people want a different kind of retail experience. I think wide format graphics help provide a lot of that with, you know, whether it's, you know, Marco mentioned window graphics and floor signs and hanging banners and directional signage and, and all the different stuff that you just see when you just walk around a grocery store. Yeah. Uh, so it's retail is still growing. We mentioned fabrics and building products and, and corrugated and there's all these markets where like there's opportunities out there there's a lot of them and that didn't even go into some of the services and installation and and you know whether it's creative and and other kinds of data-driven services there's all kinds of stuff that people could be doing that that are either yes it's wide format or it's just right next to wide format whether it's dtg printing and and, and, and opportunities like that mm -hmm. so i think it's a great time to be in this market marco 
so, so the wistful part of me says, man, I wish I would have opened up a white form of print shop 20 years ago because I'd be retired by now. <laughs> I mean, those were truly the glory days. It's still a great business to be in because like Tim said, you know, this is what we love, right? It's our passion. It's not just making a living. It's sort of, you know, it's our life. And so it's a good time to be in this business. And the other side of the coin is, well, it's a lot harder today to run the print business, right? Because especially with the lack of substrates and the labor problems and everything, at the same time, there is still innovation. And so all, all of the examples Tim just mentioned, I mean, they didn't exist 10 years ago. So yep. there is certainly room for growth and opportunity. And during our you know, lifetimes, you can't substitute what we see around us, right? You know, there was talk about electronic signage taking over all the point of purchase signage. It hasn't happened. And for reasons we won't go into now, it's not going to happen in mass, right? So yep. print is gonna remain extremely important to everything that we see and touch in our daily lives. Um, and so when you start, you know, looking at it that way, it's not just a piece of paper, it's everything that surrounds us. My God, you know, it, it's going to be a good industry for decades to come. Well, on that note, uh, Marco Bohr of IT Strategies and Tim Green of IDC, thank you so much to both of you for joining me today. It's great to be with you guys. Yep. And I look forward to seeing you both at the uh, Wide Format Summit. And Us too. Us too. Yes. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. Back to you, Ashley. Thank you so much to Steve and Denise, as well as Dan, Marco, and Tim for joining us today. And thank you to all of you, our listeners. Stay tuned for the next episode of Impressions Exchange podcast.